Peace and blessings, everyone. This is Shane Hare, and you are now entering the Red Hole Podcast. Where would it lead? What's next? And who knows? But follow me and let's explore it together. What I can tell you is that we explore the past, the current, and the future. And once again, this is Shane, and I am your host, and welcome to the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. We have a a very uh, special guest. Uh, we always have special guests. Any guests that come to the Rabbit Hole Podcast, they're special. Um, they're doing some great things in the community. They're doing great things in education. They're doing great things in life. And the Rabbit Hole Podcast, we're here to um, bring them in. We want to understand their ways of thinking, their ways to getting to being the successful person that they are, being the strong person that they are. Um, we want to communicate greatness and, um, you know, all that is good. Today's topic is um, it's a very relevant topic because currently we are in the um, Islamic month of Ramadan. Um, it actually uh, just started maybe about a week ago. I want to say probably July 18th. Every year it actually uh, happens at different times of the year uh, due to the Islamic lunar calendar. Um, today we have a special guest by the name of Maha Jacobs. Um, she's a is uh, she's a, a Muslim woman, and who was actually a uh, a peer of mine in graduate school. She's actually doing some great work herself in um, in terms of uh, Islam um, and culture, and we'll get her insight into uh, Islam as well as the holy month of Ramadan as well when we bring her on in a few seconds here. So let's just go ahead and do some. Uh, some administrative stuff real quick here. I want everybody to check out my past podcast. We've had some very interesting conversations with some very interesting people uh, throughout the Bay Area and all over the world. Definitely check out the Disciplines of Martial Arts by Master and Mastre Ken Pitts. He's a Master uh, Martial Arts instructor who has his seventh degree uh, black belt, as well as he is a master, which is probably one of the hi highest honors in the art of Quapuera, which is a Brazilian martial art. And he was just recently inducted into the Masters Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Um, did you know that there was a mar martial arts Hall of Fame? Well, there is one. Um, check out that website and check out that podcast, podcast session 16, the discipline of martial arts. Uh, then we also spoke to a young man, Carter Wilson, who is a young man who is a music artist who's still finding his way in the world uh, with, uh, you know, starting college, trying to figure out what he wants to do in life um, and then what his future goals are. We normally talk to a lot of people who are distinguished, who have kind of lived a little bit of life and have a whole lot of great information to share. Um, however, through, through that conversation, we kind of got into the mind of what the young person is going through today, um, what their um, what their perspective on um, uh, of life is. And Carter actually has some pretty good insight and perspective. And um, his reality is um, a lot different, but much of the same of what we experience as older adults in in these environments that we're in. 
Um, so definitely check that out. And there's a whole series of other podcasts that you can check out. Make sure you go to uh, Blog Talk Radio. Go ahead and do a search for the Rabbit Hole Podcast, and you will be able to locate all of those podcasts. And they're there for your enjoyment. All right. Without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and bring in my 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 sister, my friend, my peer. Uh, let's see here, Maha Jacobs. Maha, are you there? Uh, yes. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum assalam, sister. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. That's good. That's good. So I wanted to bring you into the podcast here to one to really recognize the holy month of Ramadan um, because it, uh, from my understanding, is that it is a time for reflection, a uh, uh, reflection, a time to um, kind of release all of the bad and really appreciate the good, which is the blessings of life. Um, and also take time to honor those around us, such as our family and closest friends. Um, and then also really, um, I guess, uh, give to the poor, um, you know, uh, you know, either through dinners or through tithing or, or whatever the case is. But also really um, get that connection with, uh, with, with God. So tell me, how is your Ramadan going this year? Oh, it's uh, going real well. And it's a month of reflection, as you said, and a month of connecting with uh, people within the community and outside the community. Uh, it's 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 a blessed month. There is nothing else to to no other way to describe it by, but but by saying blessed because you take time out from the busy life to kind of like go into spirituality and, and, and trying to get closer to, to God and trying to uh, reflect of how your life has been going for the past year. Uh, where have you slipped? Where can you improve your spirituality and your humanity? So it's it's a great blessing to be alive and to have the, the chance to fast for a month. Absolutely. How did Ramadan start? Why why do why why do Muslims actually practice Ramadan? I should probably ask. Uh the uh, month uh, of Ramadan uh, which is something uh obligatory to all Muslims. It's one of the five pillars of Islam. So the five pillars is when you say shahada which is declaring that there is no god but God and that the prophet Muhammad is a messenger of God. That's called shihada. Then you are obligated to pray, uh, ritual prayers of five times a day. Uh, you're also, as a Muslim, obligated to pay zakat, which is like a tithe or uh, a tax, 2.5% uh, of your savings that you give to the poor and the needy. Uh, you're also obligated to fast, uh, and that is a type of self-control during the holy months of Ramadan and Hajj to go to a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once even in your lifetime if you are able to do it. And so Ramadan is an obligation of every Muslim. There are exceptions where uh, you do not have to uh, fast. For example, if you are uh, sick or if you are traveling, you don't fast, but then you can make it up before the next Ramadan. 
so the whole idea of Ramadan is uh, anything we do uh, as rituals of Muslims is for our own benefit. Ramadan is the one thing, the fasting is the one thing that we do for God because it's our right to eat, right? We eat to survive. Yes. And when we give it up, we give it up for God. That's the only thing we do for God. And we get rewards uh, for that. In a way, it teaches you uh, or it gives you a taste of how it is, how it feels to go uh, without. Yes. Uh, it it, it, it kind of disciplines you spiritually because when you give up the food, you start reflecting on on your spirituality. And it, it by being getting closer to God, you start seeing where your shortcomings are. Mm. Uh, so you don't just fast from food, but then you fast from other things, from saying, uh, for example, swearing, from indulging on, on, on physical delights, like, for example, smoking, uh, from uh, saying, uh, doing, from trying to do good deeds even more than uh, you would normally do. All mm-hmm. of these, uh, beca- and, and then when you do this in 30 days, uh, it's well known that within 21 days, whatever you start becomes a habit. So yes. the, the hope is once you do this for a month, it becomes part of your habit so that even when Ramadan is over with, you will continue to do what is right until the next month. So oh, there is wonderful. many, many blessings uh, f- during the month of Ramadan uh, for people uh, to come out with besides just not eating. So uh, when you're fasting, um, is it an all-day affair or is there a period of time during the day that you actually fast? Uh, well, uh, we the fasting starts from uh, down which we call the fridge, and that is uh, it says where you see there is a, 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 a line where uh, the sun is about to rise. That's the dawn, and then until Maghrib, which is the sunset. So from from down to sunset, you don't eat. Uh, you eat before that. We call it suhoor, which is um, the prophet used to do and it encourages every Muslim actually a blessing to get up before dawn to eat mm-hmm. a meal so that you're not too too tired during the day. And then after uh, sunset, you eat also. Um, so it's not like you're really suffering by by fasting. It's very comfortable. And subhanAllah, you, you, don't, really feel, you don't really feel like that tired. Uh, for me personally, I have more energy during Ramadan than yes. I do other days. So I'm looking at the Islamic calendar of prayer times, and it kind of goes through uh, each of the times that uh, you should pray throughout the day. And that uh, first one, I believe you said Fajr, F-A-J-R. Yes, that one yes. is actually at 3.54, so you have to wake up in the morning and actually eat before you actually pray. And then you have to go ahead and fast, actually begin right at that point, all the way mm-hmm. through to, is that Maghrib? Maghrib, yes. Maghrib, yes. And that sunset is actually at 8.45 p.m., so you actually have like 17 hours throughout the entire day that you're fasting. Yes. Wow. Um, 
Let's see here. And then what, let me ask you this question. You know, I understand it's part of the lunar calendar and my understanding of just the lunar calendar that there's longer days during the summer and then actually shorter days uh, throughout different periods of the, the year, for something like probably uh, probably winter and early spring. Um, yes. And how how does that actually, actually work? Is it just... Um, do you actually uh, plan for the next year? Who who actually plans for it to be at a different time every year? Well, the, the way the lunar uh, calendar works is that Ramadan usually falls 10 days ahead every year. And so if we start it uh, on the 18th of June this year, then next year, inshallah, God willing, uh, mm-hmm. Ramadan would be like 10 days ahead, so it would be around the 8th. Of June, and so every year it goes back ten days, and that's how you end up uh, being. At some years, it's during the summer, and then it goes back until the winter, and then the cycle starts again. So it's based on on the lunar calendar. Right, and and also you you mentioned before our conversation here today that even other parts of the world where uh, the sun stays out maybe twenty two hours a day that they're obligated to actually fast during throughout that entire time. Yeah, it was interesting conversation I uh, on NPR uh, the other night. They were talking about uh, Iceland where uh, the sun is out for twenty two hours, and the person speaking. Uh, in the program was saying that they were fasting for 22 hours and that's how it was for them. So it is interesting, yes, which part of the world you're at is where you fast. Um, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Ramadan is Ramadan. So maybe here in, in the Bay Area it's a little bit cooler for us. In the East Coast or, for example, places where it gets real hot, they are obligated to fast as well. Yes. Um, the other day, the other day, also they were speaking about Pakistan, where it was getting so hot that people were dying from the heat, oh. and, and it's the months of Ramadan. So, Muslims, unless they're sick, or for other reasons such as traveling um, or whatnot, they are obligated to fast. So even if they're like on the, the 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 if they're really having some sicknesses like you know they're going to be so ill that they may um, pass on to paradise as, as my, my understanding is um, at, at some point do they like you know what look this enough is enough I, I need to get some water I need to get these electrolytes up I need a Gatorade or something. Um, or is the 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 will or the, the the belief in Islam so strong that they believe that you know what if I if if this happens to me during the holy month of Ramadan that that I would have for you know infinite 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 um, blessings and um, parad- and I'll go to paradise and everything is all good. Well, the the exceptions uh, for not fasting, such as um, being sick in illness yeah. or traveling, yeah. uh, elderly, uh, yeah. pregnant women, breastfeeding, uh, or people who take prescribed medicines, mm. uh, women at their menstru- menstrual uh, periods, mm-hmm. they, uh, mm-hmm. they they can stop their fasting. Now, uh, the mercy of Islam is that. For these exceptions, so for example, let's say um, I'm in Pakistan and it's so hot that I'm getting sick from fasting. Yes, yes. 
uh, Islam doesn't say kill yourself and fast anyway. You, you know, I can break my fast. Good. And then Islam says, okay, then if, if I break my fast for three days because I was too sick to fast, uh, then before the next Ramadan, I can make it up. Great. I can okay. fast any other three days before the next Ramadan. And for some reason, if before the next Ramadan I got sick and I couldn't make it, then I can just feed uh, a poor person. I can provide a meal for a poor person mm. to eat. And a meal is usually not more like 5 or $10 mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. feed someone. Mm-hmm. So uh, Islam is not that, it's not a strict religion where fast or die. It's okay, you can't do it, then you can do it the other way. So it's, it's, it's a religion of mercy. It is not. It's not as harsh as some would think it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely. Um, I would say definitely of willpower, right? Definitely having control over your own mind and body, um, and not letting the outside world uh, affect you. Um, because I think it takes a, a, a supreme discipline to be able to uh, go without water and food for 17 hours per day, especially in North America on a Pacific uh, uh, Pacific Standard Time time zone. Um, it takes a tremendous amount of willpower to be able to do that and still carry on with your, your, your normal activities, no matter if you have to work, if you have children, um, you know, and, and I know that takes a lot of energy. So that leads me to my next question, Maha. At, at, is there a point throughout R- Ramadan when your mental clarity is just so clear and focused that you can hear an ant walking up the street? I mean, I, I know that your senses, they have to be heightened at, at, at some point um, through through Ramadan. Do, do you experience anything? Um, do you notice anything different with your body, with your focus? Um, you know, versus the times where you're actually eating throughout the the the, the month of uh, you know, I mean, throughout the regular year besides Ramadan. Uh, it's 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 not the sense of healing; it's the sense of spirituality. Uh, the sense uh, the sense that is heightened is uh, the spiritual sense or the human sense, where you your heart becomes softer. Mm-hmm. Uh, your will becomes stronger in terms of wanting to do good yes. uh, and and not be selfish and self-centered. And mm-hmm. so uh, you start reflecting on things like when you're hungry, well, there are other people who are hungry mm-hmm. uh, all over the place, you know, and how selfish am I uh, in thinking like I have to have this meal instead of being grateful for the the, the less, you know, exotic thing. Uh, yeah. The sense of feeling uh, grateful, great, being grateful for what you have. That's that's the sense that's heightened. That's that's what comes out of of, of uh, fasting. And also, uh, you don't just fast and not do anything, but you know, like you pray more. Yes. We have uh, the ritual of tarawih, which are prayers uh, that we pray uh, after. Aisha, which is the last prayer, mm-hmm. uh, not the last prayer, but the, the fifth prayer in the day, Aisha, uh, the community gets in the mosque, and we pray uh, anywhere between eight rak'ahs, which is eight uh, kneelings, 
to 20 rakas as we as the, uh, the 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 leader of the prayer recites the mm-hmm. Quran, and mm-hmm. so when you are in that much prayer, standing in front of God, and 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 reflecting, you can't help but have a heightened sense of spirituality when you're thinking about all the blessings that you've had yes. and being grateful for them, but you also feel other people's sufferings and, and start thinking of how can I help, right? That's it. So how can uh, I help? that's, that's yeah. what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, that, that that's interesting. So you, know, you, you go through your day, you, you still uh, pray the five times a day. Um, do you normally pray on your own, or do you pray with your family or with your community? Uh, well, a person can pray by themselves. Uh, in uh, our household, in normal days, one you know we might pray by ourselves, depending on what each one of us is doing. But during Ramadan, we make it a point to pray together. Uh, you get more blessings when you pray. We call it prayer uh, as a group. Uh, and so we make it a point to pray together, uh, and it it brings the community together. It brings yes. uh, the family members together. Uh, some mosques they have the iftar at the mosque every night. Uh, mm-hmm. In our mosque, the um, Alameda Islamic Center, Islamic Center of Alameda, uh, we have it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where the community gets together and eat together. Mm-hmm. Uh, break their fast together and then uh, continue with the Maghrib prayer. And so okay. it's, it's it's a time where where people connect with one another uh, and 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 kind of like help each other grow spiritually. So at, at the end of the day, when you break your fast, is there a certain uh, way that you should break it? Uh, as soon as you break your fast, do you just go ahead and gobble up all the food that you can find, all the water you can drink? Um, or do you kind of ease into it? Because I know that the your, your your organs and everything, they need some time to adjust. Is there a certain pattern or a process that you uh, break your fast? Uh, the, the one thing that uh, the majority of Muslims do is breaking their fast by eating a couple of dates. This is what we call the sunnah, which is what the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to do yes. is uh, he would break his fast by eating a couple of dates and mm-hmm. drinking some water. Uh, so that's the one thing that everybody, uh, almost everybody does when they break their fast. Uh, apart from that, uh, it's a cultural thing. Uh, in my in my household, we start with uh, soup because we, soup is kind of warm and it warms your stomach mm-hmm. since the stomach mm-hmm. is, is empty. And then uh, we eat a normal meal. Uh, nothing exuberant about the meal, just a regular meal, uh, and we we try not to eat too much because we we go to do the prayers, like I said, the tarawih, um, the twenty rakats, and it's kind of hard to do that if you have mm-hmm. a stomach full mm-hmm. of food. Mm-hmm. So we eat a little bit, and then when we come back from the mosque, uh, if one feels that they want to eat something, we might eat something. Uh, and then we get up again before uh, dawn to eat another uh, small meal before we mm. fast. So it's, for me, it's like reversing the day, tonight, and yes. night today. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good news. So when you actually start and you go through, is it is the 30, 30 days of Ramadan? 
Um, yes. Is there is there anything special that happens uh, at the end of Ramadan? Oh, at the end of Ramadan, of course, we celebrate uh, what we call Eid, uh, uh-huh. which is celebration translates to celebration, yes. uh, and it's 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 a special day. Uh, the community prays the prayer of Eid. Uh, and then usually the community would have like some kind of, of festival where people get together in the park, the children play, uh, people bring food or they have a big meal, and we spend the day in the park. Now, um, this is culture, this became culture in, in, in our community to do that. Uh, different countries celebrate, celebrate it like people visit each other in their homes and so on. Uh, so yeah, it's a special time. The children look forward to it because they they get their gifts uh, yes. for uh, for for the months of Ramadan. So it it gets exciting for them. They get new clothes. They get gifts. Uh, some oh, give wow. money to the children and so on. So it's really a festive time. Oh wow! Does does this happen just the 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 day the last day of Ramadan, or does does this continue for a, a certain period of time after Ramadan? Uh, the celebrations it depends on different cultures. For example, uh, there are countries that celebrate the the Eid for three days. Uh, mm. Here in the United States, it's mostly uh, the the first day uh, the, of the end of Ramadan, we celebrate it, and then we usually pray like, "Oh, please let it be the weekend." That way, we have like Saturday and Sunday. But if it's a weekday, you go to the uh, you go to uh, the Eid prayer. Some people have to go back to work. Some people take off that date. Then, you know, it's it's not like we have a, a, an official holiday. Mm-hmm, Whenever mm-hmm. the day it falls, we try to celebrate it the best way we can. And so sometimes nice. we would celebrate the date uh, on the day it falls, and then there might be some more celebration on the weekend where people, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm, the community mm-hmm. will get together and do something else. So because we don't have, like, official days off yes. for, for a and we, you just take it however it comes and that's work it out the best way. That, that, that's great, great to hear um, of such a, a great tradition. And how, how long would you say that uh, Ramadan has been going on for? Is it every every since uh, Muhammad actually discovered the Quran? Uh, it, Ramadan became official obligatory the year after the, uh-huh. the um, Islam was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon mm. him, and so it's been going on since then. Oh wow, wow! Very very long time, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? Yes. Now, that's wonderful, and it's such a rich tradition that just really means a, a whole lot. Like you said, blessings for life, really um, really appreciating everything that you have, and also to have compassion to, towards those who are poor and who are less fortunate um, by by giving uh, tithes or providing food for them. Um, I think that's a great way to really build up a community um and, and really um to to bring yourself up to the higher higher elevation that you can get to spiritually spiritually also just just imagine throughout the day where you can actually just really um a- appreciate God and all that he has done for us and 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 just just with life um and just also the focus on 
um, the words of the Quran through the prayers. Um, I think that's a great, great, great way of of living here, especially that part when you have to refrain from um, cursing. So you have to think a little bit harder, uh, uh, some more intellectual to say. (laughs) Yes, and not just from cursing, but also from uh, like fleshly things. Like yeah. if you would react angrily, you were you yes. constrained yourself more. If, if you know, it's, so definitely kind of like helps you keep yourself in check. And hopefully, after you do that for thirty days, that it becomes a habit, so that you don't you don't go back to it after the months of Ramadan. Yeah, yeah. So you're always uh, conscious of of the moment, right? You're you're always in the moment. Um, exactly. which, which I which I would probably consider it to be. Um, so, how long were you born into Islam? Did you convert over uh, Maha? Where Where are you originally from? I'm originally uh, born and raised in Sudan. Uh, uh, my situation is kind of I call myself the United Nation because uh, my father is Sudanese, my mother is Eritrean. My father is Muslim, my mother is Christian. So I was mm. raised in a household where Islam and Christianity uh, were around me at all times. And so we would celebrate uh, Islamic uh, holidays and we would celebrate Christian holidays. We had the Eid celebration, so we had the Christmas tree <laughs> and whatnot. And so it's, it's always, I've always been a blend and uh, and when you have the privilege, and I call it the privilege because mm-hmm. you get to experience so many different things, you 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 cannot reject one and accept one and vice versa. You yes. you learn that uh, there is an intersection where all things meet, and you get to appreciate all the views that you have around you. So yeah, Islam has always been part of my life. But mm-hmm. I have to confess, I haven't been a good Muslim uh, all my life, right? So <laughs> you get to a point where you grow up and you mature and you actually yes. accept Islam. Mm-hmm. And so just like Christianity, not anyone, everyone that calls themselves uh, Muslim is a true Muslim and not any, anyone that calls themselves Christian is true Christian. Right. Uh, and so I had the privilege of going to going through a Catholic school. Uh, mm. I had the privilege of of uh, going to in church in Sudan. In Sudan, yes, and wow, okay. so uh, Christianity as much a part was much a part of my life as Islam is. But uh, I have to say that I became more true Christian and more true Muslim at one point, uh, where I have to you look at your life and you say, okay, where am I uh, with God in my life and what is the way that I'm going? Is it the right way? Is it the wrong way? And and then that's when you become true uh, Muslim or true Christian, when you commit yourself to, 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 to go by your religion and commit yourself to do good and to actually uphold what you believe in. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is me. So I was born into two religions and, mm. and, even though I practice Islam, I have great appreciation for Christianity, and Absolutely. not only not only uh, me, but any Muslim, any Muslim cannot say they are Muslim 
unless they believe in the Torah and they believe in, in, in Jesus and all the prophets that came yes. before Muhammad. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's that, that, the way that, I am, the product of two religions. And, and you know, I, I think in today's time and age currently that I think we're getting a, a lot of that where even with the the cultures of a lot of people um, or the, the ethnicity, everybody's mixed, everybody's have parents who have different point of views, um, and then a lot of the kids actually grow up in these families uh, that, you know, that have these um, dualities, I guess you can say. Um, of two different perspectives from their family, and they experience what it is from both of their their parents' um, backgrounds. And I think that's just the benefit and the greatness of life that, um, you know what, we can choose what we want and and we have the opportunity to to learn about different experiences. And I I think that's what really enriches um, our communities. Um, At what point... Um, did you, uh, at what point in your life were, was it when you were a teenager, a young adult, or older adult that you fully embraced Islam? The minute I had my first uh, child. Oh, wow. Wow. What, what, what caused that? That's what that, it that, me what the meaning of life is, what life is all about, and the obligations that I have uh, mm-hmm. as a human being. Uh, and 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 uh, as a parent, everybody knows once you hold that child in your arm, that 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 sense of responsibility that comes, that you're responsible for someone's life, and that now you are obligated to be true to yourself if you actually want to guide this little this little person that you're holding in in, in your hand. Uh, you have to be true yourself, and and if you're not, then you're not going to be able to do your obligation the right way. Right, right. No, that's that's great. That's great. Um, are there are there any challenges for you as being a um, a minority woman um, who's a Muslim um, living in uh, you know North America um, with uh, you know, with, with the way that you know, uh, you know, challenges that you may face at work because of it, or in your uh, professional environments. Wow, that's a profound question. Uh, the short and simple answer is yes, uh, but it 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 as as. I would call myself African-American, even though I was born in Africa. Uh, I face challenges, but then add to that that I am a Muslim who wears the hijab. So that puts another layer of difficulty in my situation. Uh, And it, it, it is challenging because the minute you see the outer appearance, uh, you get stereotyped Mm. and, uh, and very few people are willing to go beyond the stereotypical appearance to actually give you a chance to to find out who you actually are. Uh, and so it is difficult, but you we just deal with it. I I deal with it the way it is and try to make people understand that 
what you see is not what what the stereotypical image that comes to your head with all its nuances uh, is mm-hmm. not really true. Uh, I remember I was working in this uh, company, uh, and the company was um, closing down during these uh, economic hard times, and uh, they brought in a consultant to kind of like a life coach that would sit down and talk to uh, the employees about how to go about finding another job and what they would like to do next and whatnot. And she was giving advice to all the, uh, everyone in the room. And then uh, it came to me and I said, okay, so what do you suggest I do? And she looked at me and she said, smile, smile a lot. And I looked at her answer kind of like weird. What do you mean smile a lot? Uh, It didn't make sense. But then uh, later on I found out or I discovered the fact that, uh, yeah, some people might look at me as a threat. So maybe if I Mm -hmm. smile, they would look at me as as just another person and not as a threat. And so, um, yeah, it's it's hard since September 11th. Muslims have been facing hard times. Uh, at times, it's not as open, but it's there all the time. And you feel it from the way that people look at you. Uh, you feel it uh, from the way people avoid uh, dealing with you. And and it hurts. And you wish you can tell them uh, it's okay, you know, we're not that bad. And you wish people would ask you questions uh, to to know you better. Yes. yes. Then you go from day to day the best way you can. So let me ask you this: uh, we, You know, we're we're wearing the holy month of Ramadan, and I want to keep this conversation, you know, kind of up, up uplifting. I don't want to uh, bring anybody down. I want also I want to educate people who are listening who who go through the same struggles and. All of us actually go through these same type of struggles, no matter if we're African-American male, um, African-American young male, or African-American female, or Asian-American, or Indian-American, or whatever it is. There's a lot of bias and um, just uh, very uh, a lot of confusion about religion and race in, in North America that a lot of us face. But as a, a Muslim woman, as a African-American Muslim woman, how do you deal with that? Um, because every, I know every time that you and I have crossed cross paths, um, you're highly intelligent, um, very, um, uh, very, very articulate, and always got a very positive vibe. And you know, like you said, I I, I see through um, the hajib, and, and I see the person that you actually are, and that none of that really matters to me. What what ways do you actually overcome that when you kind of can sense that that person that you're interacting with have some kind of bias in their eyes or or in their body language? How do you get around that? How how do you find your voice within that? Well, uh, as a communication scholar, I have uh, dived deep into extremism. Uh, my thesis, as you know, was about extremism and how to empower the moderate voice. And so I have the privilege of having the knowledge uh, where I can uh, understand where people are coming from and kind of like 
be okay with it because I understand the mentality. And mm-hmm. so for me personally, um, I deal with it as some person who has misconceptions and hopefully by the end of our conversation, some of these misconceptions are going to be dispelled. Um, but I feel for other people who who uh, don't have the knowledge and who feel unease dealing with people. And so you always hear after um, some big tragic event that happens, such like a terrorist attack or whatnot, uh, Islamophobes coming on TV and on, on the media waves and saying, oh, well, where is the moderate Muslims? All Muslims are extremists and whatnot. And so uh, how is the moderate Muslims supposed uh, to, to, to speak up when they look across and they see somebody who is obviously uh, scared of them and, and, and kind of like re- looking at them as if they are a threat? How do you reassure someone and not to... to to let them understand that you are not a threat. Uh, that is just, you can't. And so you try to deal with it as normally as possible. But you know, mm-hmm. there is always that sense of suspicion going mm-hmm. on uh, between uh, the two parties. And so you try to ignore it, but it's there. It's, uh, it's always there. And they might not come out and say it to you on your face, but it becomes obvious in the way they handle the situation and the way they deal with you. So, so as a, you've done a lot of work in Islam, Islamophobia, what are, are there some ways that you know probably your uh, your Muslim woman or Muslim man can um, deal with situations like this? Do do you have some uh, suggestions on how to better? Uh, you know, understand these type of interactions? Well, Islamophobia by definition is uh, looking at a Muslim person as the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just being afraid of this person of doing something bad or whatnot, but actually looking at them and looking at them as the enemy. And so if I say this person is my enemy, that means they're about to hurt me. That means I have to defend myself, right? Mm. And so uh, when somebody is Islamophobe, they, you don't have anything good to say about your enemy. And so that creates tension within uh, the Muslim person because they wouldn't know how to handle it. Yes. Uh, how to get the point across that, no, I'm not an enemy. I'm just another human being with a different religious faith than you, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, Islamophobia is a sense, uh, in, in other sense, is an extremist view. Just like you have the terrorists who, have, who hold extremist view, you yeah. have Islamophobes, which is the other extremist mm-hmm. uh, view. Uh, in the middle of those two extremes are Muslims who don't know how to act, what to say, in order to, to make the Islamophobes realize that not all Muslims are extremists. Yeah, and right. so right. how do Muslims handle it? It's not up to how Muslims handle it. It's how uh, people in the community deal with Muslims. Now, if you um, 
if we think about it, most of the uh, the Muslims that, that come from different countries, the immigrants, they come from a different culture. And so mm. we as a society are the hosts. And as the hosts, we hold the power over mm. the immigrants in the sense that we are here, we know the system, we know the culture, yes. we are established. And so a stranger comes amongst us, they have no clue right. uh, or much knowledge about our community, our culture. So we have more power uh, than they do. So uh, if we look at them as the enemy, it doesn't matter what they do, we're not going to be happy and satisfied with it. And so as people who are in a position of power, it behooves us to give, not, not to give them a chance to assimilate or prove to us they're good people, but to get to know them yes. for who they are. And by getting to know them for who they are and understanding their culture and understanding uh, their religion, that we would make them understand our culture and our society so that they are uh, more uh, open to assimilate uh, w- within our community. Now, where extremism comes is that uh, people tend to go to extremes when uh, they feel a sense of uncertainty, right? And if we think or about lack of it, knowledge. lack 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 of lack of knowledge comes in to feed uh, to feed uncertainty. The way it is, we human beings we like to feel like we are in control of our lives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that we are in control of what's going to happen next, and that we can predict what's going to happen next. If we cannot. Uh, predict or we feel like we, we're not in control of circumstances around our lives, we start feeling uh, uncertain about it. And oh, yeah. that makes us feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So to compensate for it, we cling to everything that we believe makes us who we are. And so if I am a Christian, all of a sudden Christianity becomes so important in my life because it gives me some sense of relief. Yes. If I am a Muslim, the same thing happens, Right. Uh, if I don't have any religion that I hold on to, whatever makes me feel uh, certain about who I am. And right. so at that time, uh, people start be- getting more uh, dogmatic about their religion, and they start going towards extreme beliefs, where you, they get to a point where everything becomes black and white, and there are no gray uh, in between. And so then they start going towards being judgmental, where if I believe this is right, anything you do that is not the same as what I believe, then it's totally wrong, and I'm not open-minded to try to understand your perspective. And so uh, there has never been a time in history uh, that being a critical thinker was Mm -hmm. the most needed skill Mm-hmm. Uh, as yes, it is right now. We need it today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because even though we live in the age of information, too much information is is creating a sense of uncertainty. Uh, we're living at a time where whatever happens in any part of the world uh, is known instantaneously. Uh, just like um, yesterday morning, you mm-hmm. turn on the TV, you have so many things going. Uh, mm. Gay marriage is legalized. 
uh, President Obama is is, uh, is doing the obituary, uh, and uh, all over the world you had three terrorist attacks, one in Kuwait, another one in France, and another one in Tunisia, and we're like, oh my God, what is going on? So many things are going on at the same time, and that creates uncertainty. And so people tend to to hold on to their beliefs and become dogmatic about it. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, is the power is not on the the Muslim community. It's their sense of power or this the sense of obligation that that falls upon them is is living their life the best way they can and showing people around them that they are they are not bad people. Absolutely, another human being. But the actual power lies on society itself in that it tries to understand the Muslim community and bring them in into the fold. Yes. Otherwise, the Muslim community cannot push itself into society. Society has to bring them in. And that happens uh, by society trying to understand. See, there is, there is this wrong belief that Muslims are all the same. Muslims share a faith, a religious faith, but they come yes. from many different worlds, parts of the world. Absolutely. Pakistanis don't have the same culture as Afghanistanis. Afghanistanis don't have the same cultures as Saudis. Saudis don't have the same cultures as Sudanese. So it's not just a religion. It's the religion and a mix of religion and the culture. And so to say a- that I understand Muslims because they're all one, uh, they're not. They they're have not. different cultures. Yeah, they're not. And so society has to understand this cultural background of the Muslims in their community, plus understanding what Islam is on itself. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very distinctive and, um, yeah, and and, and very insightful. You know, although you uh, practice Islam or you're a Muslim, but then there it goes much deeper than that. It's, it's also you have to understand the person from a uh, cultural standpoint as well. Um, and then not only that, you're you're actually American now. So, you know, you have all these intersecting um, beliefs and cultural beliefs and religious beliefs. And and I think the, uh, the person who is not Muslim and who doesn't have an understanding about the religion, which is a wonderful religion, I would probably say what I mean, any religion that's going to tell you to live your life to the fullest and, you know, feed the poor and, you know, uh, elevate your, your, your thinking to, you know, be the very best you can be is a great religion in, in my, um, in my, my point of view. Um, but, um, I, I think that's great, but I, I think really a lot of individuals really have to educate themselves um, so that they can bring down these walls, um, elim- eliminate these biasness, um, and really treat people for who they are, not just by the by the way that they look. Because there's a lot of interesting people out here that look in all different kinds of ways. But once you actually get beyond that that um, that wall or that exterior, you will find this greatness. Um, and, and love and passion in a lot of individuals. This is one of the reasons Maha why I um, produce these podcasts is to disseminate this type of information um, and educate the masses on um, just how how dynamic we are as a culture of people. 
Um, you know, we 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 um, we we love. We have pass. We have the same passions. We have uh, you know a lot of the same beliefs. Um, we're 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 people just like you know everybody else and stuff. And we're very um, articulate, very educated, and um, you know we should be given the equal opportunity, just like everyone else. Put down those Absolutely. barriers. Absolutely, and I I want to encourage the listeners uh, to not just accept everything that you hear in the media. Go mm-hmm. out and 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 get to know a Muslim and. Bring the Quran and read it for yourself, and try to understand what what it's saying. Don't just yes. take what you see on face value. And yes. so, even though we live in an information age, not all the information that we received is unbiased. Uh, right. You have to be a critical thinker, where you you look at the information that you receive in within the context, trying to understand. Why is it being said the way it's said? Why is it being presented uh, in this way? And who is presenting this information? And what is their aim in presenting the information? Let me give you an example. Uh, Every time they talk about uh, God and Muslims, they never say the word God. They say the word Allah. Now, the word Allah is Arabic. It's a literal translation of the word God. So why mm-hmm. are we using the word Allah every time we talk about Muslims? Why, even though we're speaking in English, and so it's, it's, it's like it doesn't make any sense to keep repeating the word Allah when we're speaking in English. So we say, well, the Muslims uh, believe in, instead of saying God, they say Allah. Yes. Well, you say, okay, so, so what's the point? I mean, why, why, why is that bothering you? The the one thing that is bothering me about using the Arabic word for Allah when we're speaking in English is mm-hmm. that you make God or Muslim God sounds like a different God. It's yes, not. it's the same God. God is God. So why God's are we God. saying Allah when it comes uh, to Muslims? Instead of saying Muslims believe in God, we say Muslims believe in Allah as if Allah, this is a different God. It's yeah. not. And so what that does it, is that it puts on... Uh, non-Muslim viewers or listeners uh, of, of of the medium that this is uh, something different. This is other. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is not God. This is their own uh, thing, it's right? And so it makes makes Muslim look as the other, and at the same time, uh, it, it creates a division. And so right. when we listen to to all. To, to the all kind of medias that come and we're watching TV, we're listening to the radio. It's very important to start thinking about what we're listening to or what we're watching and actually analyze it. Yes. Don't just take the information in as is. It's the truth. No, I have one better for you, Maha. a more needed skill than being a critical thinker than we live in this in these uncertain times. I would go one further than that. I would I would go I would go so far as to say to actually turn off the television, turn off that news and, you know, pick up some books and, you know, go go to school and actually learn um, and read. Because I think, uh, you know, of course, we've all studied that this the amount of cessationism, the fanatism, fanatism, 
um, that's just in the media, it really uh, misdirects and misguides a whole lot of people. Um, so I would say it's just better to go out into the community. And if you see a, a Muslim brother, a Muslim sister, go ahead and strike up a conversation and really learn through that way or go to uh, a library or a bookstore and, and pick, up, pick up books on Islam or Judaism or whatever religions you are. Or like you even said, go even deeper than that. Meet a uh, person from Sudan, pick up uh, some information um, about the, uh, uh, the, the Sudan and, and the culture of Sudan, you know, um, to, to really learn and really educate yourself and think critically as opposed to getting these 15-second um, um, snippets um, through, the, through the news of uh, just something that's completely off. Um, what what other ways would you suggest that individuals who are not of the uh, Islamic faith who um, um, to you know better understand um, Muslim people? We realizing that uh, we as an individualistic society we kind of like privacy. Privacy means a lot to us, and so yes. we feel at ease when we find somebody from a different country and we, we feel like, oh, we shouldn't be asking them questions because um, uh, they might not like it since we don't like people asking us personal questions. Well, mm -hmm. realize that immigrants, the majority of them are coming from collectivist cultures. And so asking them a question, it's much better for you to understand uh, where they're coming from. And as a matter of fact, you, you, it, it, immigrants can... They, they feel like they can't speak up because if Islamophobes have used the Muslim people talking about Islam because a double-edged sword. So if they are quiet, uh, they don't say anything. They actually serve Islamophobia because they're not uh, talking about what true Islam is. But if they talk about what true Islam is, Islamophobes jump in and say, okay, see, they're talking about Islam, that means they want Sharia law, that means they want to convert everybody to Islam, and mm -hmm. so uh, pretty soon we won't have the U.S. Constitution. It's all going to be a Sharia law, and we're going to be living under a Muslim caliphate, which is really unrealistic to begin with, but, then that's, but that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And so Muslim people feel kind of easy to talk about Islam. Yeah. So again, we go back to the concept of that the power is within society. Ask questions. Yes. It's much better to ask questions. As a matter of fact, it's much better for the Muslim person when you ask them questions. That mm -hmm. way they can tell you who yes. they are and what their culture is and what their religion is uh, than having to just listen about the religion uh, from, from the media. If, if you pick a book to read about it, very good. That would, that, that would be great if you don't have the time. Get to know a Muslim. Yeah. Get to know a Muslim. Ask him questions, right? So make him feel that you're you're curious about uh, wanting to understand them. And I'm 100% mm -hmm. sure they will be more than glad to talk to you about their culture and their religion because it's it's a communal culture to begin with. Yes. Community and family and, and, and connectedness is within the, cult, uh, the collectivist culture. And so it's, even though our uh, individualistic culture kind of looks at it weird, it is very normal uh, to, uh, to, to, to ask questions and to get to know people. Uh, and so uh, don't feel unease. 
Do mm-hmm. not feel anxious mm-hmm. about it. It's much better for our society Absolutely. if we get to know one another and discourse about the differences that we see and find a common point what we all agree on. Because we might all we might not all agree on all the on all the points uh, of of our beliefs, but we have that humanity that connects all of us. We all Absolutely. basically want the same thing for for ourselves, right? We all yes. want to feel secure. We all want to feel loved and appreciated. We all want to feel like we belong to someone mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and some group. And so we have that basic connection already within each Absolutely. and every one of us. It's just reaching out to one another is, is becomes the next step. And And definitely, so... This leads me to my next step, Maha. Thank you very much for um, you know sharing the, the the research that you do that you're doing, um, and then your perception on the overall world, and then your advice uh, to our listeners and to the world on how to um, you know remove this idea of or actually remove this uh, prejudice of someone who practices Islam, but rather um, get to know them, get to know the, the religion, get to lo- know the culture, because there's so much more uh, to the person um, um, than them just being a Muslim person. Like you said, there is about their culture, it's about their values, and about who they are as a human being, because we do ha- we do share that connection. So what I like to do is just probably just, this is a rabbit hole we're going to go ahead and just switch it up a little bit. You gave us a whole lot of great information about explaining about Ramadan. We talked about uh, some of your research, um, and you gave us some real good advice, which I really appreciate. But we're going to go ahead and wind it down now. Um, what's your – I'm going to just ask you just, um, you know, everyday questions for everyday type people um, like yourself. Um, what's your favorite part of the day, Maha? Oh, my favorite part of the day is the end of the day when I collect my children from school (laughs) and we all get into the house and we have our dinner and we just sit down and uh, wind down and relax. That's wonderful. What's your favorite pastime? Uh, My favorite pastime uh, is when I have a chance to sit down and research a topic that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, I feel like I'm the explorer uh, of information. Yes. Uh, so that's that's my favorite pastime. What's your favorite snack? Oh, I don't really snack that much, but I'll say um, like a bar. Of um, I don't know, like you know, the Kellogg's, Kellogg's bar, or when I uh, when I'm like on something, I'll get something are you like talking that. Talking about like an energy bar, not energy bar, but that's like like the breakfast bars or breakfast uh, bar. Got you. Yeah, not necessarily energy. Okay, okay, and then what's your? You, you say you're from Sudan. Uh, you're in America. What's your favorite part of the world? Uh, America. My favorite part of the world. Uh, what yeah. about part of uh, what, which part of America is your favorite state? Uh, I love the Bay Area. I lived yes. uh, for a while in North Carolina, and uh, I moved to the Bay Area 
I love the Bay Area. I love the Bay Area for the diversity, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for the opportunities that are in the Bay Area, and for uh, the people uh, that uh, are in the Bay Area. We have, besides just being diverse, we have, in my opinion, the most open-minded type of people, mm-hmm. uh, yes. where we are uh, more open to understanding different cultures. And so I, I really consider it a blessing to be living in the Bay Area. So this is my favorite part of the United States. Great, great. What's your favorite technology or application? I'm not much into apps. Uh, technology, I use it as far as I can use it to do research, to connect mm-hmm. with it and whatnot, but I avoid it because I, f- I feel like it disconnects us more than it does connect us. In a way, it connects us because we can use it to reach out to people, but it also disconnects us because uh, we tend to reflect what society is. And mm. so we, uh, you go on the net, but you, you think it's, it's democratic, it's free. Yes, it is. You can go there and say whatever you want to say. Uh, but then you people kind of like revolve to their own group. And so it also disconnects us because it creates this group uh, mentality where people don't reach out to understand but more like reach out to attack because now you have a platform where you don't have to see somebody's face mm-hmm. when you're mean. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know a friend of mine uh, calls me crazy when uh, when I every time I read an article like in um, Yahoo News about uh, Muslims and I go into the comment section and you will see like 1,000 and some comments and yeah. you start reading the comments and the only thing you can say is wow. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Um, there are a lot mind of hateful blowing. people out there, and so uh, yeah, I don't like technology very much. I like to use it as much as I uh, need it to uh, do my research and do my work and connect with it and whatnot. But I avoid it. I avoid it as much as possible because it really does disconnect us. Can you describe Afrofuturism? Afrofuturism. <laughs> I'm sure you heard this term before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Afrofuturism, uh, to me, when I think Afrofuturism, uh, I think of the opportunities uh, that are there. But then I think about how much courage it takes uh, to get there. And I question whether we will have the courage to actually do it. That's to me describing Afrofuturism. Okay. Well, Maha, I really, really, really appreciate you spending this time with us uh, on this day, especially as you're you're fasting. Um, I would like to uh, probably like to wish you the very best of uh, Ramadan. I hope that you get all the blessings um, that 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 you're entitled to. Um, I hope that you continue on through your Ramadan um, nice and healthy, uh, as, as well as uh, you know your family um, that they uh, that they practice Ramadan and they're healthy and they get all the blessings 
um, and that, um, you know, you continue to live life and have the best of uh, luck in your future endeavors and in society. You're doing great work. Um, you, you spoke about some very great, some very uh, insightful, hot topics that we all should be paying attention to. You gave us some solid advice on how to educate ourselves to remove this bias that we may have uh, uh, with, with someone who, who may be different or who have different um, ideas than we do. Um, you mentioned some very uh, important that we're all we all we are we are all connected through the human spirit. And I think that if once we have that understanding and we continue to do our research and our studying and ask questions, um, the world would, is going to be a, a better place. For people to contact you is, uh, through social media, um, if they have any questions about Islam or about the research that you're doing, um, how can uh, individuals uh, reach you? Uh, you can email me, uh, jacobs.maha at gmail.com, and I'll be more than glad to answer any questions. Uh, that's uh, jacobs.maha at uh, gmail.com. Uh, I want to thank you, Shane, for the opportunity. I am honored and I'm humbled uh, to get the chance to speak about Islam uh, and uh, the month of Ramadan. And I, I hope the listeners will get some uh, nuggets from from our conversation. And I yes. wish every person listening to uh, this podcast uh, the best, the best in life and the best in this holy month. And may uh, God bless us all. Thank you very much, Maha. I really appreciate that. Our listeners that listen to these podcasts, they they are of like-minded folks. They're folks just like us, people who want information, people who want to learn. They're very smart. They're these guys that's doing their research, the guys and girls who's doing their research. And um, so I'm, I'm very positive that they they've learned uh, more than nugget nuggets. They learned some boulders here today and uh, received some very good information. So, thanks again for your time. Thank you. You have a great day, and I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Yeah, All right. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum assalam. All right. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in to the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Uh, as you heard, we spoke to a very special guest today, Maha Jacobs, and she uh, shared a lot of uh, insightful information. Um, please continue to tune in to us um, as we come up with these great uh, interviews. If you have any questions for me, you can reach me directly at Shane at ShaneHair.net. You can also find us on the Facebook uh, group, The Rabbit Hole Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes as well. Um, and then also there is Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and just do your search for The Rabbit Hole Podcast. Um, so thank you all for listening. And until next time, always be curious of life. Always discover new experience and envision yourself in the future. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.